What's up, Unfound Nation? Dan Kihanya here. Thanks so much for checking out another episode of Founders Unfound. In honor of Juneteenth and the third anniversary of the murder of George Floyd, we thought we'd do something a little different this month. Back in June 2020, we did two episodes with black men and black women founders, capturing their raw thoughts, emotions, and insights from that time. These were two of our most popular episodes, and the sentiment and vulnerability shared are as powerful today as they were then. This is part two, featuring Dr. Ivor Horn moderating a panel of black women founders. And if you haven't listened yet to part one, I'd highly encourage you go back and tackle that one first, and then come back here and listen to part two. The founders from these episodes certainly show a representative slice of the founder journey. Some of the startups are prospering and have raised more capital. Some have pivoted, and even some have sunsetted. But all of these founders are wise, fierce leaders today. As mentioned in part one, I do have one final note about Juneteenth. I, like so many, only really began to know and understand Juneteenth in the last decade or so. It's amazing that it is now a federal holiday, but we as a nation are still wrestling with how we recognize it. Some think of it more like a liberation day, maybe like the 4th of July. Others think of the circumstances and context and wish to reflect the somberness of anniversaries like, say, 9-11. And I'll be honest, I'm still figuring out where I land. But what I do have clarity on, on this day, every single person has an opportunity to learn, serve, and reflect. Now, on with this throwback episode, part two of our Juneteenth podcast. Stay safe and take time to ponder what you hear. Well, hello, everyone. Um, my name is Ivor Horn, and I am really honored today to be the guest host with this amazing group of women to talk about the times that we are in now. Over the last 15 days, we've seen our world turned upside down and even before that really transformed. So we have global protests since the killing of George Floyd and real support across the globe for Black Lives Matter. And on top of, this was all on top of a global pandemic that changed the way that we move um, and interact and engage with each other in a real and different way that none of us have experienced in our lifetime. But on top of that, we also have almost a million cases of COVID-19 in the U.S. alone, almost 2 million cases of COVID-19 in the U.S. alone, over 100,000 deaths from COVID-19. And our black and brown communities are the most impacted, without a doubt, very clear, has brought to light the health inequities and health disparities in our country in a real and present way. So our lives have been upended in the last two weeks, and this is going into the third week. Over the last couple of weeks, I'd have to say last week, people asked me, how are you feeling and how are you doing? And my my typical response was, I'm wavering between exhausted and tired, and tired is a good day. And this going into the third week, though, quite honestly, today on June 10th, I have to say, today I feel determined. And that's a whole new, that's a whole new perspective of this. And I want to start out by asking you all, like, how are you doing today on June 10th with all of this? This is uh, Stella Ashaolu. I'm the founder of a company called We Solve that connects 
companies to diverse candidates and use performance data from real projects to help them reduce the bias in their hiring process. And thinking about how I'm doing today, it changes. And I used to say that just about being an entrepreneur, um, you know, that one second you're up and the next second you're down. But in light of everything that's going on, I think the amount of pressure and stress and just the emotional volatility that I've experienced has been something I've never experienced before in my life. Um, I've gone from being super, super sad to angry to being tired or exhausted to getting a little glimmer of hope or motivation. And I'll say today, I feel determined. I still feel tired and stressed and like even more of the weight of the world is on my shoulders right now than usual. But I have a glimmer of, of hope and determination as far as, you know, all of the different organizations that I'm connected with and all of the different meetings. And, you know, I'm sure we're all being tasked in our respective spaces. And, you know, there's a part of me that wanted to just bow out and say, not today, this isn't my fight. But then, you know, today I feel like, you know, I can do it. And, and I've had a number of these calls and will continue to have them as long as I can, knowing that I need to take that space as well. This is Sheree Robinson, founder and CEO of Tastemakers Africa. Tastemakers is a community and travel experiences platform that connects Africa and its diaspora. I think um, I was talking on my own podcast last week and I said that like when people were asking me, how am I, that I generally feel like the firebrain emoji. Like that was like how I felt. And I think if there was like a determined and aligned emoji, like that's how I would feel now. I think with the work that I'm doing, I am incredibly fortunate to like day over day feel like something I'm doing is actually a part of this 400 year old problem that the world is waking up to in a very real way. And I feel incredibly privileged to be in a space where people both in my community, but also people outside of the Black community who are in my space as friends, as advisors, as mentors, as investors are looking to me um, to have meaningful conversations and take meaningful action. And so as much as it is, it was ex like very, very taxing initially, I think more than anything, I am excited about this shift and I feel incredibly aligned in my interest, ability and passionate and passion towards moving things forward. Um, so that's how I'm feeling. I can jump in next. I'm Ashley, the founder of Health Inner Hue, where it's a digital platform that connects Black women to Black and culturally competent healthcare providers. Um, if you asked me this question two weeks ago, it'd be a mixture of rage, sadness, um, exhaustion. But today, I feel weirdly hopeful and just a tad bit optimistic, and I'm confused by it, but also inspired by it as well. Um, I'm seeing conversations happen in a way that I haven't seen them happen as it relates to race and racism. That makes me feel like this might be the moment that we start to have these conversations in the way that we need to be having them for a shift to actually happen. Um, 
And with the work that I'm doing, it's also, again, inspiring for me to see some of these conversations that I've been wanting people to have in more direct and candid ways, are, they're beginning to happen. And it's, an, it's unfortunate that it's happening because of what happened to George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Maud Arbery. But again, I'm feeling weirdly optimistic that this time we'll have these conversations in a way that will hopefully move us forward. Hi, everyone. My name is Helen Adios, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cure Academy. We um, provide online professional development and upskilling for direct care workers um, to upskill into healthcare. Um, so I think I go through this on a daily basis. Um, but, you know, I am somewhere between, even as we speak, a point of uh, exhaustion. I feel very heavy still. Um, because I, I think contrary to maybe our view of founders, um, I consider myself very introverted. And so part of my reaction and this, I mean, this moment, even within my own lifetime, 35 years old feels very cyclical, right? Especially since the advent of, uh, video cameras, I feel like this is, we've, we've been going through cycles of this for the last 10 years, um, where I, um, my own tendency as sort of a cycle of grief and rage, but expressing that sort of inwardly and within community and within safe spaces. And I've been really fortunate that I have that, um, insofar as other founders and friends, um, but I also feel in some ways that I am compartmentalizing. I am actually, I think that there's a, <laughs> there's a mixed blessing or the silver lining in COVID and this pandemic is that, um, and I think actually in part what lends itself to why this moment is very special and people's ability to sort of act and reflect is based on the fact that we're all home. I have thought that out as and thought of that as a blessing um, over the last couple of weeks because I am a processor. And I think that this country that is built on go, 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 go. And also as a founder, the premise of foundership is go, 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 is not a level of sort of sitting down and reflecting. And so I think I'm feeling this moment and also the cadence of just the violence and the, the, the horror of the violence has come um, rapidly um, is is also placing a weight. I think to what Ashley said, um, I also feel like there is a turning point. I also think that there's a level of intention and I wanted to take the moment and be kind to others and myself to process first before I react because I think the other piece too is um, as in foundership, there's a natural reaction, a knee-jerk reaction to everything and I wanted to process and speak from a place of intentionality of what place do we have as care academy? What place do I have as a founder um, in this very moment? Um, and I think people are speaking more reflectively as opposed to reflexively. Um, and that's what I draw hope and inspiration from is that I think before we talk more writ large or point fingers, as I, I think people are want to do in cases like this, um, and moments like this, people are now sort of taking a hard look at themselves and their organizations and um, taking a level of ownership and accountability that I've, I haven't seen before um, in my lifetime. So I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled and I'm excited about that. I just want to build on um, what I hear is kind of this theme of really meaningful reflection and meaningful conversations. And I would love to hear from the group of what has that been like 
for you as an entrepreneur in this space? And what has it been like for you as a Black woman in these conversations that are now coming up? I know I find myself having, I I started this year with the expectation and with the meaningful purpose of saying, I am going to be my authentic self in all spaces and places. And what being at home and being in COVID-19, you know, because of the COVID-19 pandemic has allowed me to do is to think and reflect even more about that, what the authentic me is. And then these conversations came on top of that. And what does it mean to, as you said, Helen, be reflective and have that authentic conversation that both is true to myself, but also there's this level of responsibility and need now for a part of my voice that then takes a part of me to give out. And I'm just curious as to hear how you guys have been sort of processing and experiencing that. I think one thing Helen said that really resonated with me and is something I've been thinking about is that COVID-19 and the moment we're in are are not um, separable. They're inseparable. We would not be in the moment we're in had we not had a literal global reflective point. The world has been in reflection, you know, forced for 90 days. And I do not think, I think George Floyd's murder, all eight minutes and change of it on camera would not have been the turning point that it has become and that I'm claiming it to become without 90 days of in your house globally. I think that it's funny, you know, when I I closed my seed round at the end of last year and sort of went into year of return and all of that. And, and I think as a Black woman, the 400-year mark is not insignificant in like this great awakening happening. I'm a big believer. Things like that. I think there is huge ancestral significance to what's happening. And that's just how I feel on a personal level. Um, but as a founder... After the craziness of the end of 2019, I took 2020, January and February and said I was going to be still, which is something that someone that works in travel, I never do. I'm usually in some other country 70% of the time. And so I was already in this place of stillness and then it just continued. And so similar to you, it was kind of like I had had so much time to begin to form myself anew, to begin to say, I've got this new pulpit. You know, I've joined that one million up founder club. You know, I, you know, have shown that black business created for black people to do black things, you know, is venture backable by people in the industry that are respected, whether they are part of this community or not. And I was ready to be having like a very particular use case for my voice as a founder in this moment has allowed that to blossom in a way that's much deeper than I would have ever imagined. And I think with the investors that came into my round, even there were these little snippets of conversations that maybe were like well-intentioned, but still maybe surface that have taken on an entirely different level of depth in this moment. And I've been using my agency with intention in this moment more than I think I ever have done before. I'll jump in. I think um, one of the things that I've been using the past couple of weeks to think about is like, how will I, how do I want to use, what do I want my voice to be in this, in this moment? Um, Showing up authentically has always been um, a phrase that gives me great angst, but also 
I love it because it's like, all right, how do I how do I show up in spaces authentically? Because I know who the real Ashley is, but can pe- can I really show up in that way? Um, but I'm also with, with my day job in a, in a unique position working with strategic healthcare investors. And in this time, you know, even before everything that's happened has happened, I've been thinking I'm the one Black person, Black woman in the room with these people. How can I use this opportunity in this space to make room for others who look like me? And this moment now is like really forcing me to think, okay, what is your voice going to be in this moment? How are you speaking to clients? And also how are you using your voice as a founder of a company that is focused on getting Black women access to the kind of care that, and quality of care that they deserve and that they need? And so that's, I mean, I've, to Helen's point, I've just kind of been trying to sit and reflect um, and not just be, not feel the need to, to have something to say at every moment because of the work that I'm doing. But really just to pause and think about what does this moment mean for me personally? What does it mean for me as a professional? What does it mean for me as a founder? And how am I going to shape my voice and my perspective um, in these different roles that I that I um I'm that I'm in? So those are the conversations that I feel like I've been having with myself internally the past couple of weeks. I feel like as black women, we're always having these conversations about race and racism. It's just now being amplified. Now we have a microphone and people are listening. And so that's what's different. But for me, it's like, we've been, we've been talking about this, (laughs) but since folks are ready to listen, what am I going to say and how am I going to say it? I, I think something that you just said, Ashley, kind of brought a thought and it's, it's really about, for me, I've been thinking about how do I want to respond in that moment? What can I give? There's been a lot of different things that have been asked of me or things that I've seen that have I've wanted to respond to. And to be honest, there's been somewhere I was like, today is not the day. I, I can't do it. And there's been somewhere I've like, I have to speak on this. And so I'm really trying to be very um, intentional, but also cognizant of my own mental and just physical and spiritual mindset and using that to kind of guide what and how I'm showing up. But it's a little bit difficult because, you know, there's that whole angry Black woman stereotype. But if we're keeping it real, I am angry. And there's a lot of things that are happening that's triggering that anger. And so I'm working on how do I communicate in a way where it's not only the anger that is seen, because I'm okay with that being seen, but it's also the passion, the truth, the realness of of what needs to be communicated. And to give you an example, there was an investor on on LinkedIn who made a comment about her racking her mind about what she can do and being tired of asking that question and saying, now she's committing to investing in, you know, her new investments being in Black founded companies. And she mentioned that she believed that Black or underrepresented folks have a unique ability to solve the issues of racism with technology. And that enraged me because this same woman, I met her during Techstars and she said to me multiple times that she did not feel that companies were in a place where they would actually put dollars towards diversity and that she didn't feel like there could be a 
scalable technology solution that would address that. Mind you, this person has experience in investing in companies in, you know, the the HR space. And so it was just really upsetting to me to see that type of communication in the public without acknowledging the fact that you've actually been a part of this bias or this problem when it comes to looking at the solutions that Black folks or people of color bring and not checking that bias. And it wasn't the fact that, you know, that it happens because there's been a lot of folks who've communicated to me their remorse and kind of acknowledging their role um, or kind of their lack of action. But it, it's more of the fact that it seems like there's a lot of conversation about what's going to be done forward, but it triggers because nobody is really acknowledging, you know, how blatant and how they were aware of, you know, a lot of the the inequities and inequality, and they were okay with it. So without doing that, it's hard for me to believe that you're really focused on making a difference. So that's kind of how I'm approaching, you know, these different conversations is just how I feel in the moment, being authentically true to that moment. And, but also trying to be a voice of, you know, honesty and and different perspective. Stella, so much of the way that you just spoke about where you are really resonate with me. I think I would also add for myself, I'm learning to also, um, I'm learning to show up for myself, right? And my company, I'm learning to be protective and also offensive, defensive for my company. I mean, I because if I, now that we have a lot of time to sit and think about these things, right? I think that there's so many moments and opportunities right now that people are taking to reshape their narrative to, yes, let's be real, virtue signal around this issue and be opportunistic. And, you know, <laughs> I sit back in this and I say, all right, you know, while it's great. And I think, you know, I think Arlen Hamilton, who's an investor in Care Academy for articulating a lot of this in really well, really well last week in many different forums. But if you were already committed to doing the work, it cannot come from a structurally racist place, right? To get onto a platform and suggest that you want to do something, again, out of reflexiveness as opposed to reflection that uh, alludes to office hours, to me, I've had to really kind of dig into why I'm so angry about some of what is being said right now comes from a place of structural racism, right? Because if you're going to get on and say you're going to provide office hours, but not the checks, one has to ask, why weren't you doing it before? Why wasn't, you know, you don't have to fund all of us, but why weren't Black women or people of color, Black people part of your deal flow to begin with, one? And then two, one has to say that, do you think that by providing office hours, you are building upon something that you fundamentally think these types of founders or us or me or people who look like me are lacking than someone who is 10 years younger, fresh out of, you know, Stanford and no lick of experience, right? And so I've been probably, and I'm not a very, I don't consider myself, I'm a very hopeful, I'm a woman of faith. I consider myself very opportunistic. I consider myself also very optimistic, but I think in, in a lot of what is happening and the way it's being cushioned, I've become a little bit reacting sort of cynically and rather than sort of building the bridge of 
you know, these people are well-intended and I always tell people while well-intended, I think your help is coming from a place that is in and of itself is, is, is problematic. I've started to ask more of a question and I, I love um, that Tope Watona, who's the founder of Calendly, has had me thinking more so in the direction of, aside from everyone's virtue signaling and reach outs and handouts, let's be real, what can we do as Black founders to make ourselves, you know, available to each other, whether it's time, talent, or treasure? My, so for instance, I had a couple of friends from grad school who were like, look, you know, I see you building this business. I want to learn how to do that too. And I realized office hours for me, right, would be probably way more beneficial than office hours from a white guy who just realized that black founders actually just existed because I'm going to tell her my own experience. And then I'm also going to tell her how to avoid you know, the proverbial BS that happens, I think, with this too, right? And so time, talent, and treasure, rather than depending on a table that has already been built and is, no matter how beneficial it sees itself, is already filled to the brim because racism is a disease with a very high infection rate. And even in the most well-intended spaces, well-intended spaces also, I, I think, are structurally racist um, as well. How can Black foundership be intentional about time, talent, and treasure? And I've seen so, I've been the beneficiary of people who have said on the moment, I want to be part of, you know, what you're building in a, in, in, as best as I can. And I've made the space for them because I believe that I need to have those people at the table. Um, I've talked to founders like Brian Burkeen, and he pointed out another thing, right? Beyond funding, beyond capital, there has to be the extension of capital of trust. It's not only about writing a check. It is, do you also believe that Black founders are capable of building and scaling companies, not just the office hours and not just the capital? It is not just the hiring of Black and brown faces. It is also the promotion of Black and brown faces, right? And I think that if, oof, Lord, I'm feeling like the tingling coming up a little bit. So Preaching. <laughs> I mean, it's chill out because I'm, I'm getting angry, but I, 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 I'm hoping that what we get to is also this moment for us, like away from the noise, we get to and we make spaces. And I'm, I'm so excited that people are creating those spaces right now where we can say, all right, you know what? Thank you. Give us a second. We're going to go over here for a minute and we're going to also figure out like ways of leveraging this moment on our behalf, right? Uh, ways of doing it and really doing it, even though we know this is a very structurally racist society, which dismantles moments where, you know, um, black founders and, and black capital is structured itself. There's always something in there, but how do we kind of build and rebuild and reposition and regroup? And so that's why I say, I think like, I have been much more furtive about how can I, as founder of Care Academy, as Helen, as daughter of someone, as sister of someone, figure out how I can be most protective of my own community and also like give what I can with what I have, but also realize that nothing begets success like success. So I also have to focus on what I'm building to and be protective of that and balance that out. So I don't know if any of that makes sense because I'm, I'm a little, I'm like riled up right now, but. First, Helen, you're like preaching a whole word right now. As you're speaking, it just, it made me think of a question that I've been asking myself, like, what is the work that we should be doing? Because my my thing is, 
I don't, as much as I, I love to talk, I don't really care to host or organize panels educating white people on how they can do better. Like that doesn't feel like the best use of my time. I understand that those conversations are important, but what is the work that we can do? Because we've already known that racism exists. We've already been trying to figure out. And when you mentioned the office hours that you think, you know, you should be extending to other founders of color, that is something that I think is is very important and critical. So I'm glad that you that you mentioned that. Like that to me, that feels like that's the work that is, especially as black women, that's where our energy should be, you know, be pushed into versus trying to educate people on things that they already knew, but if they turned a blind eye to. So what are the ways that we can, you know, do work to protect ourselves and protect others who look like us and also move things forward? I put something out on Twitter yesterday and I was saying like, as much as like, it's great that like, we're in this place where like, white people want to sort of buy into racism is real finally, like, it's more important to me that like, we use this moment as black people to buy into ourselves. So like, I've found that like, my work and my intention and the conversation I'm really trying to have is around Black people understanding institutionalized racism and how it's working within our communities. And and when I say within our communities, I mean, how does institutionalized racism affect relationships between Black immigrants and African-Americans? How does it um, reflect when we're talking about the more global Black diaspora? How is it showing up in Afro-Latin communities? This idea that racism is a American thing is fundamentally wrong. And some of the most interesting conversations I've been having is how we're unpacking how we've treated each other as a transcultural Black community um, and how we've been misaligned in our efforts by deciding and who is going to take advantage of white American racism, particularly what comes when people come to this country and how this can be a wake up call for us to do the work within our communities. And I love Helen's suggestion around office hours. I think the best thing I did, you know, last week outside of like posts on Instagram and like get my thoughts out on Twitter was actually be a coach for a black female high school pitch competition and like tell them what a deck is and show them my deck and show them the kind of things they should say on their slides. And I never, I'm so busy running my company. And I think the other part is like, I'm a seed stage founder. Like there's so far to go. I haven't raised a series A or series B. You know, I have three people on my team. So there is this feeling like, I don't want to be that founder. That's like, mama, I made it when like, I'm literally at the beginning of the journey. And so I've been hesitant to sort of share while I'm still building up until this point. But as I see these conversations and realize that like being a venture back founder is rare for anybody, but particularly rare for us, like as much as that is not the accomplishment in and of itself, like building a sexual, successful business is the accomplishment. It is still a leap forward that so many people think is out of reach. And if I can at a minimum make myself accessible in, in without sort of, I, th- I think that is, I, I owe my community that, you know, in many ways. You guys are blowing me away. This is an amazing discussion, a conversation. I think what you're getting to is what do we what do we do and what do we ask other people to do? And I think this this week has really provided some clarity. I think there's something about coming out of exhaustion that where you get clarity of like there's the short term 
And then there's the long-term strategy game. And what, what am I doing in the long-term game, both for my company, for myself as an individual, and for my Black community? What are we, what are we doing? What, how am I taking the excellence that I'm showing in my lane and contributing to our community that's going to move us forward for the long haul. And, you know, you guys have raised some really amazing ideas and some amazing stuff. And these guys know I'm really passionate about sharing what you know, because you think you you think there's just a little, but there's a ton of things that you clearly know. And while you think you're at the beginning of your journey, you're so far along in your journey compared to the people who haven't already started. And there are conversations that we have that we can have with each other that some other person's office hours are not going to provide us with and not going to necessarily be as valuable. So I want to ask you guys, what can we do? Like, what should we be doing? And then what should we be asking others to do? Write a check. <laughs> I'm, and, I, and I say that half joking and very serious. I have, again, reflection versus reflex, had people reach out, again, offering well-intended, you know, offers or, you know, one of our partners, um, partners that were working with a project with, you know, asked if we had content or could explain racism or could make the space to do that. And I sincerely mean it. I mean, just even we're capitalists by virtue of being on this call and being calling ourselves a designation of founder means you've bought wholesale into the idea that yes, you can, you can do well, you can be mission oriented, but then also you believe in capital structure, right? And, 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 and I think that we should be much more forthright for our time. We have no, for our time and also for the request of people who now want to be educated on structural racism when, you know, there's dear old Google, they should be, you know, we we should be in a place where we should ask for more and also and expect more uh, and people know that that's coming. And I think that's something I I believe in pragmatic, the 20% that feeds up into the 80%. And I think for an expression of, you wanting to hear or share our trauma or our experiences, right? Like wholesale paying for our time, because I think so often there's an expectation, and obviously a history of people of African descent working for free. And I, a sociologist that um, is at my church said it best uh, last night that, you know, it, 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 to, to re-traumatize ourselves and then to do that for free is, is, is wholly unacceptable. And, and I think asking for more and also creating the expectation that if we, when we talk about race or racism and what you want to do more, that also, because we all understand the idea of capital should come at a capital cost. That's like my 20% and 80% and time, talent and treasure. 5,000 doesn't seem like a whole lot compared to 100,000, but 5,000 may mean something for someone who's coming up behind you. And, I realize that, you know, I have that, right? I don't have many times to give that, but I have that. And so I think Ivor, to your point, I think to each her own capacity, I think this is a really great time. It's been a great time for me to do some soul searching and saying like, if I can be an investor or provide, you know, five grand or my own time or whatever it is within a way that balances the fact that I still have to run a company, like why not take more of those chances? Why not become an investor? The kind of like, why not see that as an investment actually in myself 
learning how to do what the, you know, calcanuses of the world do, right? Because I do want to do that at scale. I don't, but this is my practice in doing that. I'm going to specifically invest in women who look like me because, you know, it wasn't too long ago where five grand would have made the world a difference, I think, in moving forward care academy. And so how can I do that? Right. And I think you all have brought up wonderful examples that I'm kind of putting into like my own repertory of, is there a moment to coach, even if just one other founder, right, to the next stage. But I, I think those are all things that we should be thinking about, you know, to what extent. And I completely hear you, Sheree. I, I, I think I, I struggle sometimes with the balance of I, I haven't, I'm not quite there yet and I don't want to be distracted. But I also think that there's a balance of that. Um, and, and saying like to what, whatever I do, whatever I can do now is enough. And um, I look to other groups who've done this successfully. I like take in those stories. There's a wonderful group called the Indus Entrepreneurs that have been in the U.S. for 30 years that are folks of the Indian diaspora, right, who came in and faced a different type of xenophobia and racism and decided at some point, like, we are our own best resource, like in a very white constructed racist world. We So they developed out what has now become almost 200,000 people across the world. All those, the, the, the CEO of Google, the CEO, of, they're all members of the CEO of Wayfair, right? Or like, they're all allies or part of this organization that now has enough breath to even reach out into other communities and, you know, and build allyship. And, and so I think, I think where is our version of that? Can we build our own version of that? Um, but it's a 25 year study of watching a group that has been so like was undermined in a way themselves and built the resource internally to now I can dominate a lot of the conversations. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, I know about this, you know, example, is there an opportunity to kind of build that um, momentum from this time? So I think, I think there's so much to that. Um, Helen, I think the fact that we think that we always think that what we have is not enough and we don't realize that what we have is more than enough. And someone is wishing for and hoping for someone to share are more than enough. And that ability to come together and say, what I have may not feel like a lot to me, but what I have, I know that there is something that I can still give. I am loving all this Black Girl magic. Um, it is vitalizing my day. I would love to hear from you guys just one last word, a closing thought, closing word as we get ready to wrap up. Words of wisdom, takeaway. I think from my perspective, and this is like literally what I just did, I think that um, refueling your tank is critically important and pouring into yourself, creating peace. Like I literally feel like, you know, creating our Black future is a lot better when there are palm trees and a river in my backyard. Like, and I think like really leaning into the fact that you can't be out here being an advocate, being, you know, the biggest voice if you are not you know, pouring into yourself. And it's really, really important that you you do that for yourself as you fight for us. And a bonus is that it doesn't have to hurt. A friend of told me this when I was feeling like I wasn't doing enough. I was like, well, I'm not at the protest and I'm not. And she was like, you can talk to people about things that they don't have access to. Helping our cause doesn't have to hurt. 
Wow. I mean, I've just had so many thoughts just being on this call with all these amazing founders and, and women. And I think that kind of speaks to, to what I'm going to say. I, I realize that what energizes me is being around other amazing people of color who are doing amazing things and, and creating those safe communities where we're supporting, but pushing and, you know, really working together. And so when I think about what I'm supposed to do, because I struggle with that and the answer seems to change a little bit every day, I think what I have to do is similar to what I have been kind of speaking to when I think about why I started We Solve. And that's really living in my purpose. And it's not a thing that you find, but it's kind of a thing that you do. It's, it's an action. And that purpose is changing. And so part of that purpose was for me to be an example of a Black female who can build a company that has positive impact in this world, despite all the odds. And now when I think about what's happening, and when I think about these conversations of racism and where my space is, it is to continue to do that, but also to do that with the networks and building communities with other Black women and other Black founders and other underrepresented groups that need that type of, you know, unity. And so I guess my, my final words, you know, to anyone who's listening to this specifically black women and black women founders is to find your lane and what is your purpose in this fight. We don't all have to be out there carrying signs or placards, as my Nigerian mother calls it. But, you know, we can be having conversations, tough conversations with our teams, with our clients or our partners. We can be working on our own success so that we can be the funders of people who look like us in the future. You know, we can be on Twitter or LinkedIn sharing our thoughts. But, you know, it's find your purpose, find your lane. And, you know, all of this has a purpose and we are all important to that. My piece of advice is just really just be reflective in this time. That's what I'm choosing to do is really think about how I want to be intentional about what my next steps are. And that a lot of that means investing in myself and being a little bit more selfish than I have in the past because I can't work like Sherry was saying, like I can't work or pour into others with an empty vessel myself. So as a Black woman, I'm learning to be, as a Black woman founder, I'm learning to be a bit more selfish with my time, with my being more intentional about protecting my mental health so that I can be in a better position to show up for others in some of the spaces that I have the privilege of being in. Um, on the other hand, I think um, one of the things I feel compelled to do is to really speak up and to stop waiting to find out what my perfect voice is, but, you know, to really leverage the opportunities that I have to um, impact the community in a positive way. And for me specifically, specifically, that means, you know, sharing some social capital. I can't write checks, can't cut checks, but I have access to people who can do that. And what are the ways that I can create space to bring other people who look like me in those spaces? What are ways that I can make the connections that can help someone get the check that they need to? And so I'm really right now trying to strategize ways that I can be intentional about um, doing that, but also doing that in a sustainable way so that when I'm no longer in this position, how can this continue to happen? Because institutional racism is insidious and it's not going to we're not going to address it with just you being an advocate or activist in that role. Like we, I want to get smarter and savvier about ways that we can 
be anti-racist. Um, and that like, I'm doing some readings right now and thinking about ways that I can be intentional about calling out institutional racism and making sure that we don't lose this moment um, for a true shift to happen. So that's, that's, those are my last words, just to, I'm trying to be reflective. And I think um, it would be beneficial to Black women to just kind of take this time to pause, invest in yourself. And then I think you'll get the clarity that you need to figure out what your next move is going to be. I really thank you all for this amazing discussion. I have learned so much. For me in this time, it's really about being reflective and not being reactive. All of those things you said, I'm taking care of myself and strengthening strengthening the relationships that buoy me within my four walls, with my family, with my friends, because it's so important as entrepreneurs, because even without all this, our entrepreneur journey is up and down and up and down. And having that foundation is so important. So strengthening that has been really important for me as part of this time. I thank you guys for sharing your wisdom. I thank you for sharing your time. This is the beginning of a conversation. We know this has been insidious for us. And we know that this is just a part of the journey and that we have to continue to support each other for the long haul um, and for the next generation. You know, I do this for my children and my children's children. So um, thank you so much for your time. It's been a great conversation. You got you. You women are amazing. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to this flashback episode from 2020. Look for a link in the show notes if you want to know what our panelists are up to today in 2023. This podcast was produced by me, Dan Kihanya. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or simply go to foundersunfound.com forward slash listen to. That's listen T-O. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn at Founders Unfound. Thanks so much for tuning in. I am Dan Kihanya, and you've been listening to Founders Unfound. <laughs>